Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? I don't know if you know or not, I was actually here not too long ago, so it's, it's good to be back. The young lady that sang this morning, I don't, can we give her a round of applause? I don't even know if she's here right now. I don't make it a habit to um, call people out in that way. But what I do try to make a habit of is call out the Jesus that I see in people. I believe we got to witness some of that in a young lady this morning, so I was grateful to have been um, ministered to in that way. Again, it's good to be back. Under the circumstances, though, it's a little crazy. I actually was supposed to be in Michigan this morning um, with my wife and my boys. It actually gave me an opportunity to rest, which is something that I really, really needed this weekend. So I decided to stay back with two of my boys and then come here this morning. It's good to be here with you. I want to start by praying, praying for Pastor Rich, but also just praying for the remainder of our time today. Is that okay? Is that, that's, that's okay? Okay, cool. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for being a God who um, is always present everywhere at all times. And so we um, acknowledge that you were here before we ever got here this morning. Um, We know that you are a God that is active, a God that is moving. And so we just pray that as we've already gotten to worship, be led in worship, um, as we've already entered into this space, God, that you would continue to have your way in and through the remainder of this service. We also pray for Pastor Rich, that you would help him, God, that you would help him to feel better, that you would help him to be better, so that he can be the man at this church that you have called him to be. To your name we pray these things. Amen. Have you ever been intrigued by something and don't really know, like, why? Not even something bad, but just intrigued by something. You're like, where did this, like, infatuation or, like, this interest come from? In third grade, I had a key interest. I hated reading. Can I get an amen, anybody? I was a struggling reader, just, and I had a key interest. The only time a teacher could get me to read is if it was a book about Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or Junie B. Jones. Come on, somebody. Come on, Junie B. I thought I would get her. What does that have to do with anything this morning? I have no clue. No clue. I've actually been interested in bowing, the word bow. Everybody say bow. Like, as in take a bow. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and stand up this morning. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and stand up. If, if you feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to. If you feel comfortable, go ahead and stand up, bow however you would like. I'm just going to do the, good, good. You, you can have a seat. You can have a seat. So we often think of people bowing when it comes to, like, a musical performance, a dance performance, people are giving an applause and you just take a bow. I asked Google what take a bow meant and Google said, you bow after a performance in acknowledgement of the applause that the audience has given you. The greater the applause, the more or the many more times that performer might bow. It would be fair for us to say Bowing is a way of saying thank you for noticing what I've just done. Does that make sense? Bowing is kind of saying thank you for noticing what I have just done. And today, for just a couple of moments, I want to share with you guys, if it's okay, 
five people that five types of people that I have noticed what they are do have done what they are doing and I would like to say like you don't need to stand up and bow but I think what you are doing is bow worthy does that make sense so the first one is any single parent my lord I got three little ones four two and newborn in any single parent trying to be investing in a young one's life on their, as a single parent, like, I just want to say, like, I see you. It is amazing what you are doing. Anyone who has served in our country, can I get an amen there? Anyone who is served in our country, we, we notice, we recognize you. you, you should take a bow. Next, anyone who is teaching these days, any teacher, like, we see you, we, yes, we can clap for that. We see you, we notice you, you should take a bow. Number four and number five kind of go together because it's kind of length of years. But anyone who has stayed in the same church, been in church for over 10, 20, 30 years of their life, anyone who has been married over 10, 20, 30, 40 years of your life. Like, we notice you, we recognize and realize that is, in and of itself, in these days, a miracle, a work of God in the lives of people. Um, and so we say, thank you, we notice you. Bowing is a way of acknowledgement. It is a way of saying, like, hey, I've noticed what you have done. But in society, we often take things and we shape them. Our culture shapes and changes things. And so I see a lot of different sorts of bowing even on social media, where it's no longer, look, I see you, I see what you have done, but it is now like, hey, I want you to see what I have done and I want you to acknowledge me through follows. I want you to acknowledge me through likes. I like basketball, so I'll watch a basketball game, and I will see the opposing team at an away game. The player will make an amazing shot towards the end of the game, and he will take a, and nobody's cheering for him. Nobody's, nobody's excited about what he just did. It's like, bro, don't, don't do that. Nobody's happy for you at all. I think one of the biggest bow moments in our Western culture is whenever you've worked for some people 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you get to this point where you want to be done working and you want to do whatever you want to do, you do what? You re-what? Re you retire. And that's a huge moment in one's life. But much like anything in this world, bowing has changed due to culture. And so I wanted to look back. What was bowing originally like? So bowing was originally a gesture. It was a movement of the body which showed a deep, deep respect for someone. Biblically, bowing is, or bending down, is a token of worship. It is a token of worship. That's why we read in Isaiah 45, 23, before me every knee will in Romans 14, 11, as surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me. Every knee will acknowledge me. And the question that we need to ask today is, why should every person bow before the Lord? What is the great accomplishment that God has done that deserves us to say, like, hey, you should bow for what you just did, or we should bow in reverence of you in that way? 
Look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. Look no further than the God-man himself who lived a perfect life, who died a sacrificial death on our behalf, who rose again from the grave. Look no further than this fully God, fully man, who was the son of God, who was the lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world, the one who sent his Holy Spirit so that we might have the same power in us that rose him from the grave. Look no further than the king of kings. Look no further than the Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the image of the invisible God, the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life. Look no further than Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, especially in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, we see that the Bible says that after this God-man humbled himself, that after this man became a servant and got down on his knees and served as the lowly, after this man was obedient, even obedient to the point of death, the Bible says that therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. I want you guys to hear that again. Every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the, I want you guys to hear this. There is no place where the name of Jesus won't bring people to their knees. There is no place where the name of Jesus won't cause people to bow. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. And this morning, I want to share with you a couple of things that I have noticed. I've noticed, one, how so many kings now, so many people who think maybe they're kings, so many kings now, so many kings from the Bible wanted the people of God to bow to them. And how much resistance they put up whenever the people of God would, wouldn't bow to them or they would bow to God instead. I want to take a few minutes and look at the person Daniel. Daniel was this man who really was chasing after, was a man of God. Daniel interpreted the king's dream, the, the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he places him Daniel in a very high position. Daniel becomes a part of King Nebuchadnezzar's royal court. Daniel asked for the promotion of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and I'm proud. You guys, you guys read in this church. I like that. I like that. Good. They become administrators. King Nebuchadnezzar builds a huge golden statue of himself. And what does he want everyone to do? He wants them to, say it with me, bow. He says, he calls all of his providential leaders. He calls the nations and the people of all languages to fall down and worship. Does that not sound a little bit like what's going to happen on the end days? That every tribe, every knee, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And he's trying to get that worship for himself. And I think it's so important that we realize this. Although Daniel has had success, although Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have found success in the eyes of King Nebuchadnezzar, success in the world is not an exemption from the trials of this world. 
success in this world will, will come, there will also be trials in this world as well, as well. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart because Jesus Christ has overcome the world. So these men, they experienced success, but it also came with a trial. The trial came in the form of a question. Will you bow? Will you bow? And it wasn't as simple as will you bow because we know that bowing held reverence. So what they bowed to mattered. Bowing meant worship. And God says he wants us to worship him and him what? Alone. And so bowing to something other than God is getting in the way of us actually having the reverence in which God deserves. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in a trial. They're in a situation. And the the king says, whoever does not bow, whoever does not fall down in worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. It's important that we also know something else. There will always be something asking for our worship, whether it be a person, whether it be a device, whether it be a sport, whether it be a, a, a politics, whatever it may be, there will always be something asking for our worship. It happened in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. It is happening today. But it's so important that we understand we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against rulers and authorities of this world who ask us and principalities that ask us to bow. And so the Bible says that it's the principles in the cultures of this world. And notice, I didn't say anything that was inherently evil. I don't think academics, I don't think athletics, I don't think sex, I don't think politics, I don't think social media, I don't think popularity, I don't think any of those things are bad, but when we bow to them instead of to God, it gets in the way of us truly being God's. What we bow to, what we worship, is what we will become. And so it's important that we ask this question. Who are you bowing to? What are you bowing to on a regular basis? What are the things that are getting your time, your attention on a regular basis? The next thing that we see is Daniel is with now King Darius. King Darius is now the king, and Daniel has favor again with King Darius. And the Bible says that now Daniel was so distinguished, he had so distinguished himself amongst all of the people because of his exceptional qualities that they had set him over the entire kingdom. The other leaders, they were mad. They were frustrated. Again, success in this world often comes with the trials of this world. We can't escape those. And they wanted to devise a plan. They wanted to figure out what Daniel does wrong or what they could use against Daniel. They looked, they looked, they looked. You guys know what they found? The only thing they could find was that this man prayed too much. That is the only thing that they found about this man. Tony Evans says, it's interesting that Daniel's life has been such a consistent testimony to his faith in God that these officials apparently knew about his prayer routine. And that was the one thing that they could find wrong with him. 
And I want to tell you, church, if you guys want to know the best way to evangelize in this day, if you want to know the best way to get those who don't know God, let them know about how much you bow to the Lord. And you don't let them know by sharing it, you let them see it. Daniel was not worried about whether they saw him doing what he was doing or not. He was just focused on bowing to the Lord. And it was in bowing to the Lord that they sought him, that they noticed him, and that his testimony, even if it was for a bad reason they were trying to come after him, was known to those who didn't know God. This man prays too much. I think it's amazing that Daniel, this man, was far less concerned with living into whatever the king or whatever his officials wanted, and he was more concerned with bowing to his father. So the question for us this morning, are you more concerned with fitting in the culture of this world or belonging to the father? 1 John 2, 23 says, whoever rejects the son also rejects the father. Whoever embraces the son embraces the father also. This is my belief. I don't know if I have evidence for it biblically, but this is my belief. I believe that Daniel, even when he was in the lion's den, was spared partially. God is good, but I believe it's because Daniel didn't deny his father in front of people. I believe that Daniel not denying his father in front of man was part of the reason why God did what God did for Daniel. Even if it was unpopular. Even if it was he was in the minority. Even if it meant death. Even if. So what is your even if? So today with the remaining minutes that I have, I want to answer one question. What does bowing, what does worshiping God on a daily basis look like from my standpoint? Many churches have discipleship models. Many churches have things for you guys to do. But I just want to help you from my standpoint. What I found very helpful to me is Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be our proper response to the person in the work of Jesus Christ? Paul says, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. I believe that Paul is saying this is how you bow on a regular basis. In the message version, it says you take your everyday, everybody say everyday. Ordinary, everybody say ordinary. You take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and you place it before God as an offering. One version says fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. You live into holiness. You do not conform to the patterns of this world. You live into holiness, and you will be changed on the inside out. I found help from Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Invitation to a Journey, with M. Robert Mulahan. She writes, God has created us for a symbiotic relationship in our pilgrimage toward holiness, and we have a responsibility in that relationship but we must never deceive ourselves that our role alone is what brings about the transformation. That our bowing alone is what brings about that transformation. Paul says we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is in our nature to take credit for the results. Can I get an amen, anybody? 
It is in our nature to take the project and turn it into a self-help project, a do-it-yourself operation. And I found that we do have a responsibility. We do have a job. Our job, in a sense, is to pay attention to the mercy of God, to stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of this world, stop bowing to the world and live in holiness. But as we live in the holiness, bowing to God regularly, God does his job of transforming us. God does the thing that we could not do on our own, which is change ourselves. Can I get an amen, anybody? If my wife was here, she would say amen. We'll just leave it. We'll just leave it there. So quickly, I just want to go over a discipleship model and the ways in which I believe we can start to put disciplines, spiritual disciplines, means of grace in our life that help us to go from just having things in our life that are bow moments. Everybody hear that? having things in our life that are bow moments so that we can eventually be transformed by God so that all of our life can just be one bow. Everybody hear that? We, we have moments of sacrifice before God. So we set up our life in such a way, we understand how to live in this world in such a way that we have key moments in our days, key moments in our years, key moments in our weeks that help us to bow regularly before God because it's in putting ourselves in that place that God does the transformative work of changing us so that we might be able to live a whole lifestyle that is one just bow the Lord. So it starts by acknowledging Jesus as Savior and Lord. We acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord because the person in the work of Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death and he rose again from the grave. And then we do our job and we follow him. Part of following him is following Jesus. Whenever Jesus went to his disciples, he said, follow me, which is awesome. Like your job, you follow me. And then he said, I will what? I will make you. If you will do the following, I will do the making. And so I believe that we can follow God in seven unique ways, means of grace, if you will. We follow God in God's word. Jesus was God's word incarnate, but he also knew God's word. So we get in God's word. We pray regularly. We see that Jesus went off to lonely places with his father regularly. We get in God's word. We pray. We have a regular routine of worship, not just corporately. We do come to church corporately to worship, but we find it in our own daily lives as well. And then we fellowship with the body of believers. Are there any youth ministry students in this room? Any? young adults, all of the above, you need to find fellowship in the people in the church, old, young, happy, sad. We need to find fellowship with people in the church. It is in that fellowship that God does a unique work. We serve the body of Christ regularly. Some of you have that testimony that as you served God, he he did a transformative work in you. You steward, your, you steward yourself, you steward your finances, you steward your talents, you steward your resources in ways, and then you are a credible witness to Christ. And here is the truth. As you live into those seven things, God will do his work in you. 
as you bow regularly in those ways, you set up your life to get in God's word, to pray, to worship, to fellowship, to serve the body of Christ, to steward yourself, and to witness to who Christ is in your life, God will do the transformative work. He will form his character in you. He will give you the fruits of the Spirit. We don't have to develop joy, peace, patience ourselves. The Bible says that the fruit created by the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. He will do that in us. He will empower us to do those things, and then he will free us to love, which is the greatest reverence, which is the greatest bow, and where I want to end today. The greatest bow is whenever you have had moments where you have set up your life to be a disciple. You have followed Jesus in his pattern and in his ways. And he has transformed you. And in transforming you, he's freed you from sin so that you can love God with all of your heart, love God with all of your soul, love God with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And then you are freed to also go and love people compelled by love to go and make disciples. So we start by placing ourselves, by bowing before God regularly. And God does the transformative work of freeing us from sin so we might love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen? And so what are you bowing to? I want to finish with Romans 12, 1 through 2 in, a, in the message version and just pray over you. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your eating, your sleeping, your going to work, and your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit, that you bow down into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Bow down to God daily. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops a well-formed maturity in you. And all God's people said, God, may it be so that as we set up our lives to no longer bow to the things of this world, but to bow to you, that you would free us, free us from addiction, free us from mindsets that you no longer need us to have in this world. Help us to realize that the world will always call us to bow to it. But the things of this world can't offer you the love, joy, peace, and patience that you give us. The things of this world can't transform us so that we might be free to love you. And so I pray that as we set up our lives, you would do the work that only you can do so that we can perform the ultimate bow by loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving each other in the way that you've called us to.